Amen. There's a song that we played right before while everyone is entering the first lines of the song say this, I don't see anything wrong with the lights on stages. Uh, I even love it when the crowd gets loud singing out God's praises. But then this is the, the line that I love. But every now and then, it gets a little bit complicated. So I remember when I was in that old church basement. And for me, it wasn't an old church basement. For me, it was in India and Indonesia where I spent a number of years. And it was just one guy with a guitar that didn't sound half as good <laughs> as that guitar. Uh, but we would, we would worship into the night and it would be missing strings, but it didn't matter. Um, and so, I don't know, has anybody in the room just felt like sometimes life can get a little complicated? And sometimes you just want to step back and like, ah, if we could just get a little bit simpler, right? Just if we could just unplug every now and then. That song that we sang was just so good. Uh, Lord, that first love fire. Come on, does anybody else need it? Anybody else? Just Lord... Bring it back. All right. The book of 2 Samuel, chapter 6. We're going to read a few verses and see what happens. 2 Samuel, chapter 6. If you don't have it, it's going to be on the screen. I'm going to begin with verse 3. They placed the ark of God on a new cart, and they brought it from Abinadad's house, which was on a hill. Now, Uzzah, hold up, I've already lost my place. I'm about to turn 42, y'all. And I'm like... <laughs> I'm going to be up here like Tim Carter with those glasses. I'm like, hold on one second. Let me get there right there. It's, it's terrible. It's terrible. You too, Carl. You ain't 42 either, bro. All right? Let me, let me find it. There we go. They placed the ark of God on a new cart, and they brought it from Abinadad's house, which was on a hill. Now Uzzah and Ahio, Abinadad's sons, were guiding the cart that carried the ark of God. Ahio walked in front of the ark. David and all the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord, singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments, the lyres, the harps, the tambourines, the castanets, and the cymbals. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon, the oxen did this, the oxen stumbled. And Uzzah reached out his hand, and he steadied the ark of God. Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him dead because of this. So Uzzah died right there beside the ark of God. And David, David was very angry because the Lord's anger had burst out against Uzzah, so he named that place Perez Uzzah, which means to burst out against Uzzah, as it's still called today. Now David was now afraid of the Lord, and he asked, How can I ever bring the ark of the Lord back into my care? So David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed Edom of Gath. The ark of the Lord remained there in Obed Edom's house for three months, and the Lord blessed Obed Edom and his entire household. The king David was told, the Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's household and everything he has because of the ark of God. And so David went there and they brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with a great celebration. Now, after the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. 
And David did this. He danced before the Lord with all of his might, wearing his priestly garment. And so David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. So here is the context of the scripture. David has become king. He's king over Israel now. He's winning battles. And David has it in his heart. We want to bring back the ark of God into Jerusalem. And so they do this. They place the ark on a new cart. You got to imagine the scene because the details are important here. So they have uh, this this ox. They have this new cart and they've placed uh, the ark on it. And they're riding down the road. Now, at some point on this trip, there was a pothole in the road. And this oxen stumbled. And there's a guy named Uzzah sitting right beside it. I mean, the party's jamming. People are singing and dancing and guitar players. And Uzzah sees that the ark of God is about to stumble off of the cart, reaches out his hand to catch it, and then the dude just drops dead. I mean, this would be like Alan coming up. You know, we're playing guitar. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. Everybody's having a good time. The celebration is amazing. Everybody's laughing and having fun. And all of a sudden, Alan sees, uh-oh, we hit a, pro- we hit a pothole. Let me grab that. And then, dude, Alan's just dead. He just dies. Around. Like, the party stops. The party stops real quick. Like, Lord, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing? Like, this is the moment that the cops show up. You know, all the kids run, just, whew. and it's not even that type of party. This is like, this is like the homecoming party, right? Everybody's, this is family, we're bringing God back, and no, stop, everything stops, the party stops, everybody's, whoa, whoa, what happens? And it says this, that David gets angry. God, what are you doing? You just killed this dude. He gets angry, and then he gets afraid. Now, if you remember back a few weeks ago, we just talked about this with Saul. Saul had this same pattern in his life. He gets angry, and then he gets afraid. And it's not just David following the pattern of Saul. It's kind of humanity's problem, right? We have this thing within us, like we'll get angry, and then we'll get afraid. It's kind of like riding in the car with my wife. First, I get angry. Girl, what are you doing? Why are you taking that to Oh, you're going to kill us. Anger and fear. You know, I'm telling you, you could take a ride with her. Or, or here's even, even better. If you show up at Walmart at like past 10 o'clock at night, first of all, you're mad because you forgot something and you've got to go to Walmart at 10 o'clock. But the person who goes to Walmart at 10 o'clock, it's a different kind of breed in Walmart. All of a sudden, you're afraid. You're like, oh, what am I doing? And I've noticed this. Like people that work at Walmart, Bridget will tell you, people that work at Walmart after 10 o'clock, they don't blink. They just... <laughs> Welcome to Walmart. It's super creepy. You know, like people are stocking shelves, not blinking. Like he's just like, I'm angry I have to be here. But then all of a sudden I'm afraid. Whoa, 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 let me just back up out of the store. Like David has this moment. He's angry with God. God, why did you do this? Why did you break up the party? And then there's this fear, like how could we even do this? So he, he, he dumps the, the ark off, like, no, no, it's just going to stay here. We're going to figure this out later. So there's a pause. There's this moment where David, uh, it doesn't say this, but I imagine he kind of wrestled with God. What is this? How, how can I bring the ark back? I'm not sure because, I mean, this guy, just, he just touched it, and he fell dead. What is going on? Now, I don't know, but I think someone may have told David, hey, listen, you should probably read the book of Numbers. 
chapter 4. Because God gives us some, some instructions on how we should handle this ark when we begin to move it. So, so maybe he reads Numbers chapters 4, and there's all these instructions on how to do it. And when the camp moves, Aaron and his son and the, the Levites and the tabernacle, this is how you move it. You take the inner curtain and you take the Ark of the Covenant and you do this. You cover it. You cover it with fine goatskin leather, which would make an awesome jacket. I'm just saying. Cover it with fine goatskin leather. And then you're going to spread a single piece of blue cloth over it. And finally, they must put these sticks into it and these poles, and then they're going to carry the ark this way. So there's no cart involved? No, 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 no cart. We want the Levites to move this thing. And here's the thing, like, not only are they going to be transporting, but they can't look upon it. See, they, they got to go in and they got to cover this thing. And then the Lord's very clear, listen, when, when the priests have done this, when they finish covering the, the, the sanctuary and all the sacred articles and the ark and all these things, listen, whatever you do, don't touch these objects or you will die. Oh, so that's what happened. My bad. Sorry about that, Uzzah. Right? But it's interesting because God actually gives these instructions to Moses and Aaron, to them, it's like, be very careful because there's a particular tribe of the Levites that he says they have to do this. Because if y'all don't, don't teach them in the way, you could end up wiping out this whole tribe. So, so don't get slack, Moses. Don't get slack, Aaron. There's a certain particular order in which I want you to do things. And in this case, I want the fine goat leather on it. And I want the blue, I mean, I don't know, God's an interior direct decorator right here. Just like, this is what I like. And this is how it's going to go. And so David, I think, figures this out, and he comes back. And you got to imagine, this is, this is party number two now. Because there was singing, there was dancing, then a death. And it stopped it. So now we're coming back, and we're doing it the right way. We're doing it God's way. And, and you got to imagine kind of David leading the crowd. All right, guys, we're going to do it this time. Who's with me? Anybody? Who wants to carry it? You know? You could just see the tension. Like nobody, like, oh, Alan. I mean, Alan was awesome. Uzo was awesome. He tried, he, and he just touched it, and he died. Like, you're nominated, Bridget. You're carrying the ark. Tribe of Levi, here it goes. And, and you just kind of see the scene again. Except for this time, nobody dies. And I think it's important because there's this moment, and on the surface, it seems like it's, 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 it's not sequential, like, what does it matter? He just reached out his hand to steady the ark of God. But it's this representation. It's this idea in our mind that God needs help. How many times has there been a pothole along the side of the road of your life? Or you've seen a pothole in somebody else's life, and all of a sudden you've got to be the hero. You've got to be the savior. And oftentimes you're even just trying to save God. All right, God, I don't know if you're going to come through for me or not. All right, God, I don't know if you're going to do this, so I'll save you. It's Lucas to the rescue. And we try to steady, we try to prop up the presence of God. We try to prop up the presence of God with our talent. We try to prop up the presence of God with, with how much money we have in the bank account or how much knowledge we have in our head. We try to prop them up because, I don't know, if I, if I don't intervene, God might look bad. If I don't intervene, then the ark's going to tumble. And if it wasn't for me, I mean, because you imagine if this scene, if, if he wouldn't have died, it would have been like, whoa, that was a close one, Uzzah. Like, good thing you were here. And then Uzzah, man, you know what? God is lucky to have me. 
God's lucky I was there because there was all these potholes in the road of life. And it's a good thing I was there to keep God from falling. Right? We laugh about it, but how many times do we live that way? How many times we live as if, if, I, if I don't take control, if I don't, if I don't have the strength in my own hands, then God's going to, he's not going to come through. He could tilt, tilt over. And I've just seen this so often in the lives of pastors, of missionaries, of believers, of churches. And we start to set ourselves up like we're the Savior. And like, it's very clear, very clear in the scripture. Like, you know what? Like, God's not going to fall without you. Like, he, he doesn't need you. Creation doesn't just stop because of you or me. The fact that he chooses to use us, his grace and his mercy, that we would even get to be a part of this. You can't save anybody, let alone yourself. You can't save you, you can't save your friend down the street, and you certainly can't save God. But sometimes we get that attitude. It's all on me. It's all on my shoulders. I like the attitude more so of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Y'all remember these guys? There's this moment where they're going to get thrown into the fire. And the response back is this. Listen, God can burn us up. Or we could come through this thing and not even get touched. But either way, he's still good. Either way. If, if God just burns, if, if, if the ark tilts and falls, or if like something happens and it just stays, like he's good either way. He's good either way. And I, I don't know, I just have a vision of us being a church that we don't try to prop up God. God, if it falls apart, let it fall apart. And, and, and if it rises up, you get all the credit, all of it to you, God. I don't want to prop you up any longer. See, sometimes we come and we look for heroes. We come to church and we're looking for somebody just to be our hero. Like, if you came to church and you, you wanted me or you wanted Alan or you wanted someone else to be, like, you came to the wrong place. Like, that's the wrong line. You could find that somewhere else. This is a line for people who say, I'm tired of doing it the way I want to do it. This is, this is the line for people saying, you know what? I surrender. I surrender, God. I'm not propping this thing up anymore. The, my own desires, my own selfish ambition. I'm tired of trying to put you on a new cart. I'm tired of it because at the end of the day, that's not what you wanted. You wanted it to be carried on the shoulders of the Levites, not driven on a new cart. And, and, and I just, I just think this is so funny because if you were there, it's like, I mean, this new cart is valuable. Like we, we, we just built this thing. It's, 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 it's so much more valuable. Like These guys just carry it. Now, God, we want to do something good for you, but there's a problem. God's like, but that's not what I asked for. It's not what I wanted. I, I know you think that that's valuable, but what I wanted was my priest to carry it. Isn't this interesting how like we try to love people the way that we want to be loved? You try to love your spouse the way that you want your spouse to love you, only to find out she doesn't want to be loved that way? Like, come on, girl. Don't, don't you see? I, I, just, I just did this for you, and I, I went out, and I, and I made you dinner. Like, I didn't, I didn't want you to cook, you know? Not every girl likes flowers. This girl don't like no flowers. Like, who doesn't like a nice flower? My wife, you know? Which I'm okay with that. Those things are expensive. But you start loving somebody 
the way you want to be loved, and then you get mad at them because it isn't reciprocated in the way you think, well, you should be grateful because I did this for you. And it turns into a fight, and then that person does it back to you. If anybody's ever read the book His Needs, Her Needs, it'll clear some of this up for you. But we do this with people. We do this with the world. We do this with God. But God, I brought this new cart for you. But God, I did all of these good things for you. But here's the thing. I didn't ask you for that. I, I, I didn't want that. Well, God, what is it? What is it? What, what do you want? I remember we first started dating, and uh, Devin went out, and she bought me this. Um, it was, I don't know if it was gold or silver. Uh, it, was, it was gold or silver necklace? What was it? It was silver. Okay. Well, good on that one. Um, so it was a silver necklace, and then there was this little charm on it, and I don't know what the charm was. It, it was a surfboard. It was the goofiest surfboard I've ever seen. And uh, she, you know, we're dating, and she buys me this thing, and I'm just real up front. I'm like, girl, I just don't like this thing. This ain't me. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a charm kind of guy. And uh, but she's mad at me. She's like, but, but this thing's very expensive. Like, I, I, bunch of, and I remember the guy's name was James Avery. He's some, like, jewelry maker. This is James Avery, and it's, it's, it's real silver, and it cost me, like, a hundred and something bucks. I was like, I like the little $4 leather thing, and I don't like this. Could you take it back, right? And she's just kind of mad at me. But I'm like, but I didn't ask for that. You know what I'm saying? But God... I did this, and I did this, and we prophesied in your name, and we did a, but hold on. Well, God, what did you ask for? Micah 6 is very clear. This is what I asked for, to just do right, to love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. Just do that. Just do that, Christian. Just do the right thing. Just do right, God, because I just, I want you to cover it with this blue drape and some leather, and I just don't want you to look at it. Don't even try to touch it. Just do it this way. I, I want you to do what's right, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. And I read that, and I'm just thinking, this is Genesis 1. This is Genesis 1, 2, where Adam's just walking with God in the cool of the day. I'm just doing what's right. And he told me to name these animals, so I'll just name one. Would you come up with a day? Rhinoceros. <laughs> and God was like, all right, we're going to put the brakes on, you know. <laughs> do what's right. Love mercy. Walk humbly. The strength of us church. The strength of this church is not our money or our influence or our abilities. All that is what I would call the strength of the ox. Our strength comes from God and he uses us to be instruments for his glory, to be salt and to be light. So God, if I've been trying to give you things that you just didn't want, because what you want is for the Levites to carry it. And in the New Testament, he makes it very clear. Listen, we are a kingdom of priests, that we would be the ones to carry the glory of God, that we would be the ones to leave this place and show what it is to the world. This is what Jesus looks like. This is what Jesus looks like, to be salt and to be light, to do what's right, to, to love mercy and just walk humbly this is what you're called to do, Christian. See, I, I believe very soon God's going to give us a new cart. And by that, I mean a new building. We've got some things in the work, and it's so close, and it's going to be awesome. 
But here's the thing. That building doesn't carry the glory. We do. God's not going to use this building to change Brunswick County. He's going to use you. He's going to use you, Pete. He's going to use you to step out and to tell someone about Jesus that's going to tell someone about Jesus. And that's how the world gets changed. When we do right and love mercy and walk humbly and we find ourselves at Walmart at 10 o'clock at night and, dude, I know you haven't blinked in eight hours, but let me just tell you about Jesus. Just to be some salt and just to be some light. So there's this new type of leadership that's coming into place, and it's, it's David's leadership. And, and all of a sudden, David's like, okay, I, I got it wrong, but I'm going to get it right. So all of this anger and all of this fear kind of gets turned on itself. See, because it was a choice here. When, when you find yourself in those places where, where, where you find yourself mad at God, God, why did you do it this way? Why did you strike this down? And, and then there's this fear. Well, what do you do now? Well, Saul, Saul just dug in deeper. Saul, Saul just allowed his pride and his arrogance and his need for more power to just dig in deeper. David repented. David humbled himself before God. David read Numbers 4 and realized, no, no, God, we'll do it the way you want it. Let's get rid of the new cart. And as a matter of fact, let's do this. When we take six steps, before we get to that seventh step, we're going to offer sacrifices. We're going to offer these bulls and these rams. Because I, I, I want the world to know that, like, God, this is about you. This is about you. Two big differences that are taking place with the second party. That the order of it is God's order. And then there's the sacrifice. See, I think sometimes in America we've settled for a brand of Christianity that wants the party without the sacrifice. We, we want to play the instruments and we want everything to go well. We want everything to do good. But like, eh. The whole slaughtering of the bulls and having to sacrifice. And here's the thing, like, there's nothing wrong with the singing. There's nothing wrong with the dancing. There's nothing wrong with the lights on stages. But if it's void of sacrifice, I think you've missed the focus. And this is what will happen. When times get really tough, you'll find yourself trying to save yourself. When you live this life void of sacrifice, when things get tough, when there's a pothole in the road, you'll be the one to put your hand out. Because after all, God, you might not come through. And we wonder, we wonder. Every six steps, just, God, it's about you. I'm not doing it my way any longer. Now, they get back and... Uh, they have the cart. It's arrived. And I want to read to you what happens when they enter the town. Remember the scene. There's celebration. There's dancing. There's a party going on. This is the second time. No one has died on this trip. And it says this in verse 16. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, which is David's wife at this point, she looked down from her window and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. They brought the, orc, the ark of the Lord, and they set it in its place inside the special tent that David had prepared for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. And when he had finished the sacrifice, David did this. He blessed the people in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. 
Then he gave every Israelite man and woman in the crowd a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. This is the original fruitcake. And everyone took it home and nobody ate it. Come on, David, don't do that. Anyway, and all of the people returned to their homes. And when David returned home to bless his own family, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. And she said in disgust, how disgusted the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. And David retorted to Michael, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel and the people of the Lord. So I celebrated before the Lord. Yes, I am willing to look even more foolish than this even to be humiliated in my own eyes. In other words, you think I look foolish? I thought I looked pretty good. You didn't like my dance moves? I was just, I, was, I ain't even begin to look foolish yet, girl. You ain't seen nothing yet. Just wait. I'm willing to look even more humiliated for the sake of Christ. Church, I'm telling you, you haven't even seen how, how humiliated we can be for God. See, but there's a scene, and this woman that's looking down on him. Be careful when you look down on people. Because when you look down on people, this happens every time. One, you miss the blessing. Two, you miss the party. Three, you miss God. And she's there, and she's looking down. And she's mad because David doesn't look like Saul. Because David ain't going to try and play the big man like Saul did. David's very clear, I was doing this for Jesus. I was doing this for God. I danced before him with all of my might because he is worthy. Let's stand to our feet. Alan, I'm going to ask you to come back up. to come back if you would just close your eyes with me for a moment to come back to that place of God I'm not trying to prop you up anymore you've taken me you've taken me this far God And he who began a good work in you will see it through to the day of Christ Jesus. It's his work. It's not your work. It's his great love for us, not our great love for him. When you get that mixed up, you begin to prop up the presence of God. He chose you while we were yet sinners. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you had a chance to succeed and before you had a chance for everybody to pat you on the back and tell you how good you are, or before you had the chance to fail miserably, I had a plan for you. It's my great love for you. 
because I'm faithful when you're not. Lord, forgive us. I don't want to prop up your presence any longer. And if there's a pothole in the road, just let us hit it. You're strong enough. I don't need things to be in my order. I don't need to build you a new cart. I just need you, Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, come in this moment. Fill our hearts and minds. We come back to you, God. We return to our first love. If you're in the room today and you don't know him, if you're in the room and you've just been running, today is the day of your salvation. The Father is calling you home, my son, my daughter, I love you. If that's you and you're in the room, I just ask you to put your hand real high in the air. I just want to say a simple prayer with you. Is there anybody in the house this morning? I don't want to miss this opportunity real high. All right, I want to believe that everybody knows him. And Lord, for those of us that know you, our prayer is that we would know you more. To know you, Jesus. To worship you in spirit and in truth. I want to challenge you this morning. The scriptures say that in six steps, they stopped and they praised and offered sacrifice. So this is what I want you to do. When you leave this place, when you walk out of that door, take six steps and stop. Maybe if you're with your spouse, with a friend, just tell them what you're thankful for. Just, just praise God in the parking lot for a minute. And then take six more steps and stop. And do it all the way to your car. I don't know how many, for some of y'all, y'all parked in the back parking lot. You might be here for half an hour. Six steps and just pause. I'm just thankful for this. Six steps and pause. When you go to work tomorrow, six steps and pause. When you enter your house, when you get home, six steps and pause. Do those things. But today, in this moment, parking lot. All right?